You're listening to Starting Place, a podcast of Training the Church. I'm your host, Elizabeth Woodson, and this season we are unpacking the gospel by examining different themes that are present in the biblical story. On today's episode, I am talking with Tamarcus Raglan, the Young Adults Pastor at Citizens Church in North Dallas. And we are continuing our journey through the Old Testament by talking about the fall and sin. You see, God created the world in a perfect state of shalom and wholeness. And Tamarcus and I are going to discuss how sin disrupts shalom and how sin is about more than us doing bad stuff. Sin is ultimately about who or what we worship. And our actions are the indicator of whether we are worshiping the one true and holy God or a counterfeit God, also known as an idol. Tamarcus, what's good with you, man? How you doing? I am doing good, you know, getting ready to celebrate a birthday this okay. week. Mm-hmm. Now, is it like a milestone birthday or are you oh, like yeah. 45? What you doing? Oh, no, not 45. <laughs> the three, three oh, 30. Okay, okay. Yeah, so. No, the 30s are good. Yeah, 30s are good. Mm-hmm. Me, my knee's still hanging with me, so I feel all right. <laughs> No, that's real. Like, after 30, (laughs) it starts, you're like, what happened? (laughs) Why does my knee hurt? That's what I hear. So I'm just, I'm thanking the Lord for every day. You know, hold on, Mm -hmm. hold on. Hold on. Uh, Tamarcus, can you just start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and your work in ministry? Absolutely. Uh, Well, first, I am uh, married seven and a half years to my high school sweetheart. We got two kids, Taj and Matea. Uh, they a handful, but they cute. And then I am a, a young adult minister at Citizens Church in Plano, Texas. Um, and I've been serving here now for almost three years and kind of been in ministry uh, since I felt the Lord's call uh, in high school and kind of been running at it in a bunch of different areas, schools, you know, education, local church. And so, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Hey, you know, we know each other. Because mm-hmm. we frequently chop it up on another podcast called Culture Matters. Yep, yep, yep. And so I'm excited for us to just jump in to the second episode of Starting Place. We are talking about the gospel through the lens of the story of the Bible. And last week, we introduced this idea of shalom. Mm. That you see the creation narrative. We talked about that our scripture starts with the good, that life is found with God. Like our sense of identity and fulfillment and significance the big question about what life is about and who we are supposed to be finds its answer in God. So we see shalom, perfect peace, life characterized by love for God and a love for God's creation. Yes. But then we flip like two pages mm. and all of that changes. Mm. Um, we see this interaction between Adam and Eve and they choose to trust the serpent over God and God's good instructions. And their one decision brings sin into the world. Um, and so today I just want to talk about maybe something we don't like to talk about a lot, uh, but I think it's really important for our understanding of what happens through Scripture. That Scripture starts with shalom, and then we see sin, and sin destroys shalom. Yeah. But sometimes we can think about sin as just us doing bad things. Like, I shouldn't, you know, be sleeping with somebody. I shouldn't be drinking too much, doing drugs. You know, I shouldn't, you know, greed or pride. But sin, when Scripture talks about it, is more through this lens of idolatry. 
And so, Tamarcus, can you start us off by talking about kind of what is this connection that we see in Scripture between our understanding of sin and idolatry? No, that, that's that's really good. I mean, even leaning on what you talked about with how it disrupts shalom, if I could borrow a phrase from a guy, he, he talks about it as uh, the world being the way it's supposed to be, right? And, and sin disrupts that. And at the end of the day, while we like to think of it as just being an action, it seeks much deeper than that to our, our thoughts, our intentions, the very seat of our uh, affections. And all of that spirals up, you know, into idolatry, which ultimately is a, a problem of worship, right? It is, it, is, it is choosing to ascribe or render to something or someone else what rightfully belongs to God to this other thing. And so there's a much more personal affront to God when we start talking about sin than the way we like to think of it as just kind of like individual action, right? Because then you can kind of seep into that space where it's like, well, I'm doing this thing and like, maybe it's not that great, but I'm not affecting anybody but myself. And maybe you don't see that. And maybe, you know, maybe for, for the vantage point you have, you're not uh, immediately affecting a, a individual that you see around you. But what is what is always true and what is always present is every act of sin, like I say, from actions to intentions to the seat of our uh, uh, desires and affections, it's always an affront to a holy God. It's, an, it's, an, it's a form of, of idolatry and choosing to submit ourselves to something other than him. Yeah. And you said something really key. It's like we, it's about worship. You know, we first and foremost are worshipers. You can't get around it. Uh, some of the pastors I have listened to in the past, they always talk about like sports mm-hmm. and how like you're going to be showing up at the stadium. You are going to wear a jersey of somebody who you don't really know. Like you're going to spend all this money to root after this team. And there's this element of worship that you can see in our love for sports. This is not me saying sports are a bad thing. But I think we see evidence of we just love to worship things because yep. we're worshipers. Like you can't get away from it. Yep. And so the question then becomes, it's not a matter of if I'm a worshiper, but what am I going to worship? What am I going to worship? What am I going to worship? And we see Adam and Eve in the garden. They choose to, because worship is who am I going to follow? Who am I going to listen to? Because love is not just merely about the warm and fuzzy feelings, but what that love leads me to do. What am I prioritizing or who am I prioritizing? And we see them prioritize themselves. Uh, D.A. Carson has this quote. I use it all the time. Mm. I feel like he needs to give me royalties off of it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But he's like, Adam and Eve de-godded God and made themselves God. Wow. In the garden. And that's what we see what happens. But it's not just in the garden that we see people choose to follow their own desires over what it means for them to follow the Lord. In your reading of Genesis 4 through 11, we hear about Cain, you have Noah, you have the Tower of Babel. Where do you, have you seen idolatry pop up just even in those few chapters? And I love, love you brought up the Tower of Babel. And I, I want to I pick on that one particularly yeah. because I think... Uh, it, give, it gives us a a window into, I think, even our own situation. Because a lot of times for people, I know, like, for my students when I was teaching, we always had a hard time figuring out, like, what was wrong with what they were doing. It was like, they were just building a city. Yeah. And it was it was fine. Like, why did God confuse them and scatter them? And it's like, but, you know, the, the specifics are so key. When they 
talked amongst themselves and decide, hey, let's let's build a city so that we can we can make something of ourselves, right? So that we can be great. We can we can establish our own security, right? We can we can become self-reliant. Yeah. People will know who we are, right? Like there is this very like self-centered ideology that they have. And this is what's interesting, is that like God's response is like if they continue down this track, like they'll succeed in that. I think there's there's something that's very like uh, scary. I remember listening to a sermon by uh, Piper, and he was talking about basically giving us over to our desires, right? Like that if we if we don't seek first the the, the things of, of of the kingdom, right? And we're trying to to find it. He's like, you'll you'll find it. Like if you want to get it here you'll get it here. Like we never think about like you can succeed in pursuing the wrong things. And it was actually this act of love where God is like, no, we're going to stop that and keep that from happening. But there is, there is that like, again, that, that intention of the heart is building a city bad. No, but, but the intention of like, I can become my own security blanket. I can become, I can become self-sufficient apart from, apart from the one who I'm made to be dependent and reliant on, all of a sudden I've started to slip into this, this realm of idolatry of centering self um, and centering my capabilities and my capacity, right? We see it more obviously in Nebuchadnezzar when he says, right, look at, look at what I've done. Look at this, this, this powerhouse city that I've made. And all of us, if we're honest, we have a little bit of that in us that, that, that can peak up. Uh, but it eludes us if we're not careful. Yeah. The things we do are driven by motivations. Um, mm-hmm. And so, again, that's why I wanted to have this conversation and not just do this, oh, these are the the top five things that we shouldn't do as Christians. Exactly. But really, what's in our heart? Because whatever from the overflow of your heart is what your thoughts and your actions are going to point towards. And we see in Genesis 11, they said, we want to make ourselves great. And part of what it means for us to be human is for us to wrestle with the fact that we were created, that Mm -hmm. I didn't breathe life into myself. I didn't bring myself up from the dust. God did. And that means that I belong to him, that in his sovereignty, he's the one that's in control and I'm not. And that means that in my perfect design, I have to follow what is what he has declared to be good. And what he has declared to be good is bringing him glory and not myself. And one author, he talks about us being glory thieves. Like we Mm. will constantly, you see it in Genesis 11. They're trying to grab what doesn't belong to them. And like you said to Marcus, that is something because sin affects us all. You want to know why the world's a broken place? You want to know why people do the bad things that they do? It's because of this this desire we have within us outside of Christ to grab glory for ourselves, to be our own God and not to follow God. And, you know, you see with, with Cain and Abel and just the, the death of a brother because one brother wanted to do what he wanted to do and not what God told him to do. Mm. And it's just so tragic. Like, yes. if Eve had known that her decision and her and Adam's decision would result in the death of her son before she made that decision, I doubt she would have done that. But you, we never know the impact. You never know the never impact. Never know the impact. Like you said, we're all interconnected. Like what I do in making these decisions to seek my own glory 
ultimately affect other people. But that's the whole hustle of sin um, is that it makes you think it's just about you. Exactly. And and I think that's the that's the important piece uh, with Cain and Abel. Again, you know, going down to the intentions. I think that's so that's one of the key things when we start talking about idolatry and you alluded to it. There's a, a guy, James K. Smith, he talks about it another way, too, of right, like asking the question, what is it that I want? Like, what is it? What is it that I'm after? And the reality is, you see it in Cain, is you can you can aim for something good and go about it the wrong way or re- respond the wrong way. Right. What was what was ultimately the problem with Cain and Abel? Abel's offering was good and God was pleased. Cain's offering was not fully what it's supposed to be and God wasn't pleased. What does Cain want? He wants the approval of God. He wants God to to like his offering. He doesn't want to be rejected. He doesn't want to, and it's like all of those things, reasonable desires. But what's his response to that? Jealousy. I don't just want, I don't just want God to, it's almost like I want it, I want it to be the one that was favored. I don't want my my brother get like I, he took something from it belongs to me. Now it's like are you questioning God's judgment, right? Like you start you start teasing out and it's like who's the one that's really in control? And what ultimately starts is this really this internal wrestle that God tries to warn him of beforehand, right? Like if you're not careful, sin is crouching and it is it is desiring you. He doesn't check himself, and it terminates in the action of killing his brother. But sin and idolatry started way before that moment, right? And it's it's the same way as we we can we can leave idolatry unchecked in our heart, and maybe it doesn't come out today, and maybe it doesn't come out next week, but a little bit later, unchecked sin, unchecked motives, unchecked right, it starts to seep out in all of these different ways, and you and you see that in that story so clearly. Yeah, James tells us, you know, the end goal of sin is death. Like it's its goal is to take every good thing that God would have for for you from you, but it never shows up like that. Nope. Like it never shows up like that. And it's so alluring. And when I think about idolatry and scripture, sometimes it can be clearer to us because we literally see them worshiping statues or these images. But we got idols today too. Boy. And so... <laughs> you know, you work in young adult ministry, Tamarcus, you're on the front lines mm-hmm. of what this generation is navigating. And how do you see the same dynamics of idolatry pop up in today's culture? What we're tempted to buy into that takes us away from what it means to bring glory to God? Absolutely. I think you I think you said it best, uh, quoting Carson, that we our biggest threat, our biggest idol. Uh, especially, you know, if I'm thinking here in in America, is we we did God God, and we put ourselves in that place, and that looks like a number of different things, but I, I think one of the one of the most elusive um, forms of idolatry, and maybe we get it to some degree, but I think it I think it seeps to spaces um, deeper than we realize of just how self centered um, and self reliant we are, and how that that really does uh, detract from what we attribute to God. Uh, I came across this 
this quote from a theologian that was talking about that. His name is Cornelius Plantinga. And he actually, in a book he wrote about sin um, and just all of, all of its effects, he says, in an ego-centered culture, once become needs, maybe even duties, the self replaces the soul and human life degenerates into the clamor of competing autobiographies. People get fascinated with how they feel and with how they feel about how they feel. And in such a culture and in the throes of such, such fascination, the self exists to be explored, indulged, and expressed, but not disciplined or restrained. In other words, my goal and how I primarily operate with myself is how can I express myself most truly? How can I indulge in the things that, that make myself happy and feel fulfilled? How can I explore and learn more about myself and what makes me me and the desires that I have and less about how do I submit myself to the Lordship and deity of Christ? How do I submit myself? How do I, how do I restrain what's twisted in me, what, what doesn't align with God and point it in the direction and allow his spirit to point it in the direction that pleases him, Right. And the thing about it, going back to what you said, but the world doesn't talk about it that way. It's, you know, hey, it's, you need to be looking for, you know, wholeness and wealth and you need to, you know, do this. And this year is about you and you need to focus on you and get yourself. To, right. And we can kind of we have this language that we use that really can sometimes. Right. It's kind of like with, with Cain, where it's like it's pointed towards a good thing. It's like I want to be whole. I want to be I want to be known. I want to be a good part, right? I want to do all these things, but how am I going to get there? And the answer to that question, where is what slips us into that, that space of, of sin and idolatry, rather than submitting to God and allowing him to do the work and to direct me and point me towards who I am. Cause I don't know what I need to be and who I need to be and how I'm going to get there. That's, that's above my pay grade. I need him to show me. I need him to take me there. I need him to, to change me. Instead we say, no, I know what I need. I know it's going to make me whole. I know how I'm going to get myself together. I'm going to walk this line. It's going to be about me. I'm going to do me. And, you know, and that's kind of that approach. That approach is rampant, rampant in culture today. That's a whole word to Marcus. <laughs> you know, like even I was at a New Year's event and somebody was talking about it's 2023. It's the year of me, you know, and how the the foolishness of we ask good questions, but the end that we are searching for is ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And not God, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm trying to find my own wholeness. I'm trying to find my own sense of inner harmony. I'm trying to find out who I am for me mm-hmm. and have no desire that who I am only makes sense in light of who God is. And I have to submit to him in order to figure that out. Yes. And it is. It is this really subtle messaging of good questions. And I think even in the garden, like you said with Cain, Eve had a good desire in that she wanted to find a place of security mm-hmm. uh, of which, what can I trust in? Like how, what can I trust in and how I should handle the situation? But instead of trusting in the words she got from God, she trusted yep. in herself. Mm-hmm. And that is the little subtle, subtle undercurrent to me that really pushes forward of sin and idolatry in our culture. And you said it so well. We ask good questions, 
But the answer to those questions we do not find in God, we find in ourselves. Yeah. And the goal of what we're searching for is really just us. That what makes me happy outside of what God says makes me happy. That's it. Who am I called to be outside of what God says I'm called? Because, you know, sometimes what makes you happy is not what you're going to, in light of what God says, is not what you want. Mm. Like what's going to grow you? What's going to make you into the image of Christ? Mm. God's goals for us aren't always comfortable. They're not always easy. They make us treat people well that we think don't deserve to be treated well. Man. Man. <laughs> you know, they cost us things that we don't want to give up, but we do it because it's God, right? Yes. Even the idea of yes. our sexuality and how we treat our body, it's like your body belongs to the Lord. And so is God's glory more important than my own personal pleasure? Mm. And in this culture, they would say, no, your pleasure is what's most important. And scripture tells us, no, God's glory is most important. Mm. And that's the hustle of sin is that it ends on you when who we are called to be, the end we move towards is God's glory. Uh, mm. ah. You know, my favorite, I love what you just said. You know, my favorite questions to ask, especially, like you said, this generation when I'm talking with my young adults, is when you when you've imagined your picture of the good life, right? The, the life that is like, man, if I could just, the life you're seeking, the life you think is like, yeah, that, that, that's living. It's like, does the, does the kind of life that Jesus lived come to mind? It's like, do we, do you think about like, yeah, like really lit, like real success, really doing it right looks like, does it look like Jesus? Is that the picture that comes to mind? And I'm like, a lot of times I'm like, man, if I'm honest with myself, it's like a lot of times, like what I picture is a good life. It doesn't look like that. Jesus suffered. Jesus didn't have a whole lot. Jesus was walking around, getting kicked out of town, people trying to stone him, ultimately got put to death, friends betrayed him. I'm like, man, that don't, that sounded rough. Died at 33, you know what I'm saying? And it's like being able to come to grips with, I have an imagination of what good looks like and what success looks like that doesn't align with what God says success looks like and what goodness looks like and what being, if we truly believe that Jesus lived the most full human life, that he walked in 100% obedience to the Father, and we're ascribing to that. Man, part of part of it is, I think for us, is, is being honest and saying, man, am I actually like, is that what I'm, that what I want? Is that what I'm moving towards? Those are real questions that should bring us back, right? This idea of, man, what do I really want? What am I really moving towards? What am I after? What am I after? You know, that we're really honest with ourselves. You know, I believe biblical self-examination, I think about Psalm 139, search me, O God. And if there is something in my life that does not line up with who I'm called to be, then lead me in the way everlasting. That's the Elizabeth translation. That's it. Because this That's idea of, of sin and idolatry, of choosing to follow God or follow ourselves is something that we will battle against. Sin no longer has power over us because of Christ. We still live in a sin-infected world. Yes. And so, Tamarcus... What does it look like for you to fight against these, these messages, these pressures, to be honest with yourself about your own heart condition? Mm. At least for me, in part, the answer and the question of, I think a lot of times for me, if I'm thinking about my day-to-day -day wrestle with the sin and idolatry in my own heart, it starts with an honest answer to that question that I just raised of, Man, what am I, what do I really want? 
and being honest with myself and saying, man, you know what? A lot of times it's not what God wants for me. Like going back to what you say, it's like, man, I know I need to forgive and I need to be pursuing this person, but I'd rather just let them be where they be. And I need to, I need to admit that. I need to acknowledge that. Man, I know the Lord is telling me that this life of of sacrifice and doing it like that is that is what's actually gonna bring fullness. But I'd rather just secure for myself, and I gotta I gotta come to grips with. And part of what that does, part of what that does is that postures me to then be able to ask honestly of God, Lord, exactly what you just said. Search me if there's if there's a way that's in me that's not what you would have, what would you remove it? Because I know it's there. I'm going to name it. It's this. It's this. There's a, a lady who had a prayer. Uh, I'm forgetting her name right now, but it it's the most honest prayer. Like, if there, there's one takeaway we could give. It's like, you should pray of this prayer often. God, I don't love you. I don't even want to love you. But Lord, I want to want to love you. Such a simple and honest prayer. It's like, Lord, my, my heart ain't been towards the right things. And if I'm honest, I don't even mind it as much as I should. I actually take delight in things that you tell me I shouldn't take delight in. Lord, would you help me to desire the things that you have for me to desire? Would you would you start at the seat of my emotions and the seat of my heart and help me move towards those things? And I, I'm, I'm serious. Like for me, a lot of times it starts with that that battle in prayer of when I think about strongholds that that uh, that have been in my life that I've wrestled with or just seasons where I've, I have, you know, struggled, whether it's been like a relational strife or whatever the thing, and just trying to work through that. Like it's, it, it, any point where it turned and started to progress, it had to begin with me acknowledging the God, like, I don't really want what you telling me to do. Like, I'm not confused. It ain't cloudy. Like, I know exactly what you said. I'm Noah out here. I know you say it go that way, but I don't like them. I'm going this way. And it's like, but that ain't right. And I, I need you to change my heart because I can't. And something about that, the, the posture of lowering yourself and, and not acknowledging your sin, um, naming it, calling it out, and then asking God to, to handle it and deal with it and to be merciful and, and forgive starts you down the line of it. Because if you can't even see it, how do you address it, right? Yeah, this this process of being aware of the dark corners of our heart, so to speak. And I like the honesty because it is, I know I'm delighting in things that I'm not supposed to be delighting in, Lord. And I need you to change my heart. Like I need Mm -hmm. you to do the work that I can't do because sin is powerful. Mm. And outside of help, I can't do anything. And so in light of that, because, you know, for our folks who feel really heavy, you know, or man, I'm just trying really hard to Marcus and Elizabeth. I'm trying hard, but I can't I can't get past this. There's truth for you that girds us up when it comes to this conversation about sin. And so, Marcus, can you land the plane for us with this answer to this question? How do the fall and sin and idolatry how did how did this how did these things point us to the gospel? Mm. Well, well, we got we got to go here because otherwise everything else is for naught, right? And it part of what this should do when we can when you can be honest and look at your heart and you can see those things. 
part of what it part of what becomes easier is de-guiding yourself and allowing God to get back on the throne. Being able to realize, you know what? I make a poor God. I don't I don't have control over this the way I thought I did. Pursuing these things, um, and I'm not getting the ends that I thought that I was gonna get. I'm not receiving what I and even even me trying to say, God, I I see the good that you have for me and I'm gonna grip my teeth and I'm gonna get after it. And it's like, and I'm still not producing it. Like what, like what's the deal? And the reality is, apart from Christ in his spirit, all of what we just talked about is good fortune cookie wisdom. You know, don't do this, do that. But it takes it takes Christ to change me from the inside out. I can't remove the idolatry from my heart. I can't move myself from dark, changing my desires. We're talking about being transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I don't have that power. I'm, the Bible says that we were lost in darkness. We were stuck. All of us were, were, were walking according to the prince of the power uh, of the air, right? Ephesians 2. And lost in our ways, just like the rest of mankind. But God, not hard work, not gritting our teeth, not, you know, more knowledge, but God, who was rich in mercy because of the great love he had from us, right? He, he saved us out of the darkness. We need to acknowledge and see that. We need to know that, that Christ is the one who is accomplishing the work on our half, that because he has defeated darkness, because he has defeated sin and death, and the very same power that raised him from the dead, the Holy Spirit now resides in us. As Paul says in Romans, right, that we we have the we even have the ability, right, to submit ourselves as instruments of righteousness rather than instruments of sin. And so we need we first and foremost need the gospel. We need Christ to even empower us to be able to move towards that. And then we need a a constant. Uh, we need to keep short accounts with sin. We need to be people who keep short accounts. It, it's not. It's not that we're going to do this thing, you know, perfectly and flawlessly, but we need to do this thing step by step in line with the with the Lord. And that that looks like constant confession and admitting where we have fallen into sin and idolatry. Right. John tells us in first John that if we anyone who says that they are without sin is a liar and the truth ain't in them. He didn't say ain't, but that's what I right? it, it is not in you. But anyone who confesses their sins, he said, Christ is faithful and just to forgive us of sin and cleanse us of unrighteousness. That it is that it is him doing the work within us as we walk alongside him, acknowledging where where the ways in our heart don't align, confessing that, bringing that to him, seeking his face and allowing him to continue to renew us and change our heart day by day by day and we can have full faith that the work that he starts in us he will bring it to completion it is that new narrative that is that is spoken over us in the gospel that that empowers us to continue to uh, walk in freedom from sin it's a fight it takes work it's a fight we're going to be fighting and, and working towards until god takes us off this earth but it's one that is worth fighting for because god truly is more beautiful and and, and good and what he has for us is better than what the enemy has for us. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But God come to give us an eternal life. You know, so I didn't mean to preach on y'all, but... 
I mean, when you ask preachers to come on your podcast, <laughs> I should expect to get some preaching. <laughs> you know, the Lord has been good to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. God created us to find life in him. Yes. Like, that's how it works. Um, and in his life, that is shalom, the sense of wholeness that everything is as it ought to be. And what we see in Genesis 3 and really through 3 through 11 is sin takes that away. Yeah. Right. Sin, when we live outside of who we're called to be, it destroys. It destroys lives. It destroys community. It takes away us finding true joy and happiness in the place in which it can be found and be fulfilling and last. And everything we find that's outside of that is just a counterfeit. Like it's claiming to be something, but it really isn't. And it's powerful. But like you so beautifully told us to Marcus, that we have the power to overcome not because of us, but because of Christ. Yeah. And in Genesis 3.15, we see a, a, a glimpse of a promise that God knows what's going to happen and he loves us in spite of our sin and is going to make a way for our salvation that ultimately comes through Jesus. And what we're going to see through the rest of the story in the Old Testament is this battle between will I follow God or will I follow myself? Yep. Will I follow God or will I follow myself? And what we will see in the midst of that is God remains faithful because our salvation comes through him. Amen. To Marcus, thank you. Thank you for being here, dropping some wisdom bombs on us today. Mm. Thank you for joining us for our conversation. Thank you for having me anytime. Sin is not just about us doing bad stuff. Ultimately, it's about us choosing to worship, follow, love, or obey someone or something rather than submitting to God. Please know this, sin is a personal affront to our holy God and has consequences. That we do not have the power to overcome sin on our own, but God provides the way out through Jesus. All we have to do is confess our sins, repent, and follow him. So here's my question for you this week. In what area of your life are you choosing your own way over God's way? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you answer the question. And then in prayer, confess your sin, repent, and commit to following Jesus. And if you want to know what it looks like to follow God's way, Matthew chapters 5 through 7 and Colossians chapters 3 are two great passages to read. Thank you for listening to Starting Place. This podcast is designed to serve as an introduction, helping you understand and grow in your Christian faith. So if you are interested in learning more about today's topic, or connecting with our guest, please check the show notes for more information. And if you're interested in supporting the work we do, we'd love it if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps other people find the show and connect with us. Until next time, grace and peace, y'all.